0: Boom. We bought a <laughs> one ninety nine squirt squirt. Bought a mic. We bought a mic. It's time to catch up. We bought a mic. We bought a mic. Barnes and Nobles. Is that bought you? A mic.
1: Is that a sale?
0: One ninety nine sale. Hello and welcome to We Bought a Mic, episode one ninety nine. How's everybody doing tonight? So good, ladies and germs. Episode one ninety nine, the big one. Yeah, this is the one everybody has been waiting
1: for. We can't spoil what's happening in episode two hundred, but let's just say that. the preparation that we all did for episode 200 has me a little bit drained, so I need this catch up to kind of pick me up a little. I
0: bit. have a belly ache from it. I really <sighs> do.
1: I feel like like I need
0: Pepto. Let's just say that the plan was to review one of the most critically acclaimed movies of 2020, and we chose to not do that, and push that to next week. Um, and we'll we'll have a little a little a uh, little special episode for you in a couple days, but. Before then, for the big two hundo, we gotta do a catch-up for one ninety nine, And we're going to keep things brief tonight. Um, We got a couple of items for catch-up, but before we get to that, we have to introduce ourselves. I'm Ernest.
1: I am Hunter. Drew.
0: And a listener email has been... Received. We bought a mica gmail.com. Um, okay. we're like we're like one of those restaurants, it's like, hey, you catch it, we'll fry it up. You give us content and we'll make it into worse content. Or know. better. Yeah. We don't yeah. know yet. It hasn't Maybe. been fried you s- yet. You're saying
1: it's gonna be a bad email? <laughs> <laughs> you have it's to like
0: save it. it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just like a collection of like numbers and letters that don't go together, and we're like, well, that's a good take, but no, this is this is a
0: good email. This comes to us from our uh close a uh, pod friend, Colin. Ooh. After Hours, a.k.a. Colin Goody. I didn't know this. A.k.a. Kent Apollo. Have you been briefed on this email, Hunter?
1: Uh, no. Uh. I'm not, so this is a surprise to all of us.
0: I think Hunter's going to have a, a surprisingly perfect take at the ready-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's been what? prepping for this one. I'm, like, reading his email. Yeah, he's going to be like,
0: phone. hey, can one of you guys defend Donnie Darko?
1: <laughs> I was like, well, I Actually, guess... Actually, yes, I, guess, I can. Yeah, I guess I'll
0: do it. <laughs> so... The email reads subject line. I have a question, question mark, question mark, question mark, Mm. sunglasses emoji. (laughs) Hello, fellow (laughs) Wabama Knights. Is this part of
1: the question?
0: Yes, I'm 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 reading the whole email here. (laughs) What's more important than film?
1: Anyways,
0: (laughs) that's not the question.
1: (laughs) like the news. I don't know. I wear a mask. People. I, I don't know. Loving it. Loving a woman.
0: <laughs> what would you three consider to be bad movie titles? Oh, this is great. Not necessarily just bad movies with goofy titles, but just strange or misrepresents the movie overall. This is a great one. Me and Colin have had many conversations about this very topic because titles are extremely important, yeah. like critical to a movie's success. There is one answer that, that comes to mind that is the title of the 200th episode. Yeah.
1: Well, that's um, one. But
0: we, we don't want to spoil that for the I think that, that one actually is very appropriate for that movie because that is for it's for babies <laughs> to understand. Like you hear that and you're like, "Oh, I get it." You know,
1: there's I mean, for me, uh, I immediately my brain kind of turns off whenever I see a movie title with a long uh, name. For example, uh, it's still like one of the most or most recently reviewed things on Letterboxd. Eurovision Song Contest, colon, the story of the fire saga. Yeah, that makes me not want to watch that. When I see that, I'm like, (laughs) this is probably a four hour movie. I'm already exhausted. Based on that title. Well, isn't that a comedy? It is. So I feel like, you know, that kind of
0: may play into it. You know, that like that is a bad title. I, if I were to give it, I don't know how good this comedy is, though. The cast is like out of this. I world. heard it was very subpar. Yeah, I've heard Man, that's OK. I really I really wish Will Ferrell was still doing really good stuff. I still think he's hilarious. You know, he just what was the last good thing he did. Um, Anchorman 2. <laughs> Holmes and Watson. <laughs> oh, geez. oh boy. So uh, Colin actually shoots off some. Examples. Yeah, he, he always has some good ones. Sexy Beast. <laughs> or any movie with american as the first yes. word yeah yep, he was just he was just going off about this the other day american yeah. beauty american psycho american sniper american ultra i think is a yeah. really bad name because also the ultra part doesn't tell you anything yeah well it's it's a drug yeah, isn't there but, like a drug in that movie but it doesn't outside of the movie you have no clue what. It oh is, yeah just you know? based on the title american right. ultra is just two words <laughs> you know I, Colin also says, would love to hear your thoughts and keep
1: on what mm. So it's kind of a cop out because these movies are bad anyways, for the most part. But any uh, movie title that has the word movie in it, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like epic movie, scary movie. Yeah, that was a, I mean, those. that was a whole trend. Yeah, I know. But I just I lost. that always I hated that. I don't like movies. that are just numbers. Like mm-hmm. 300, um, 300. What am I right? <laughs>
0: one common one that you can give a little bit of leeway to is uh movies that are the title is confusing or opaque because it's a book title like it's based on a book you know and book titles are allowed to be a lot more opaque because people actually do research before they buy books yeah like the the new um What's it called? The new Charlie Kaufman movie that's coming out this year. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah. Just think. Yeah. Things like that. That where you when you hear like there are certain movie titles where you're like, oh, I bet that's based on a book. <laughs> like no one would just come up with that to sell a movie. No way in hell. Uh I think maybe the best movie title is Legend of the Guardians. The Owls of Gahool. Gahool. <laughs> the, the owl that movie. That springs to mind is the exact Zack Snyder's dark masterpiece.
1: <laughs> I. I. I mean, there's a bunch of movies that like I really love that I don't necessarily love the title to, for example, uh, something like her. Mm-hmm. I think her is like a bad title. That's a fucking masterpiece. of It makes a movie, me think of Arrested I Development. Um, I kind
0: of enjo- I kind of like her because it, it implies this is going to be like a moody movie. And it is.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, because even like it's one of my favorite movies of all time, but like Silence of the Lambs, you're like, what is that?
0: Yeah, um What does that mean? I think going in the other direction because well, that's those, another that's another book title, right? Yes, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Um and also th- these are movies that actually do bring like a lot of artistic value. I think I think I dislike it even more when a movie uh oversimplifies itself for for an audience because I think that the title Bad Education for that movie yeah. which we saw this year it really uh, undersells that movie. Well, you also, think bad Santa and bad teacher to you me. Know.
1: Bad is a bad. Yeah, that's not good
0: to me. I just think about the uh, Almodovar movie, bad education. Like he has a movie that yeah. had the exact same title. So that's another thing is like just recycled titles. But
1: sometimes that oversimplification can be good. Like think about like Knives Out. Knives Out is one of the best <laughs> oh, movie titles that I've heard that, And it fit the movie perfectly of like the last several years. It's very simple. It's just like you hear that title and you're like, okay, I have at least a vague idea of what this movie will be.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also think just adding like a generic uh, kind of subtitle, like the Dark Knight Rises, that, you know, makes for like just this vague sequelization amplification of a story that, you know. And just banking off of the previous movie that that can be pretty lazy. Yeah. And kind sequel of sequels half-assed. are weird like
1: that, that it's just like most sequel titles are not very good. in My opinion. I mean, every once in like, a while, there's, there's some have good, good like I, I like Captain America Civil War. Yeah, that's that's cool. That like paints of image in your head Thor: Ragnarok Thor, the Dark World. I'm like, what is that? Ugh. What you that yeah. sounds gross. That sounds like a movie I won't enjoy.
0: You all, yeah, you really just have to think about what they are trying to do with the title because are you know if if the movie is already a guarantee, they literally are just putting words after the, <laughs> if it's a sequel like that, um,
1: or it's based off of some weird comic books line that like well yeah <laughs> the
0: best sequel subtitle of the last few years is Mama Mia Here We Go Again. That's that's what you got. <laughs> that do. does that rocks. That, I'm not gonna yeah. lie. That's a great. That's a really good one. Um, a it's movie like in cheek. a movie like get out it serves the purpose of that movie perfectly obviously because of what it's about but also because that's that is a more generic horror title and the whole thing of that movie is that like it shocks you with its depth mm-hmm. because you go in just for a theater horror experience and you get that but you also get more so that makes a lot of sense
1: uh, i mean even something like parasite i really i do you, other than like I, you know, I'm kind of talking myself back into her because I kind of like one-word movie titles. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah, Moonlight, uh, great yeah. one. Um, we were, me and Colin were also talking about the the movie titles that are like phrases that like are you know people already say like as good as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> those those are really kitschy, you know. Yeah. So, uh, David Chen of the Slash Film Cast actually made. A letterbox list of pretty much that exact same thing. Uh, Dave Chen is is kind of renowned for his "boom goes the dynamite" jokes. I've attempted that on this podcast on previous what occasions. just saying a joke and then saying "boom goes the dynamite." No, it's it's when you say like the premise of of one movie, oh, but no. as a different. Oh, movie. Just you've like, done that yeah. once or twice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a, as much of a master at it as as Dave Chen. But he's been tr- attempting to do that with letterbox lists, and he just made one that says movies whose titles become widely used generic terms. So I guess the the premise. So of that's this, the other way around. Yeah, I guess the premise of this is he he's picking movies that like the movie came first, yeah, and then the usage of the term like came someone later. saying oh it's a real Sophie's Choice, yeah, exactly, Sophie,
1: oh, or even like Harry Met Sally. That like describes like, yeah, oh, real, kind of, like a real one thing. Minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're in a real Groundhog Day situation here.
1: Yeah, that's a...
0: We're in a real inception yeah. here. Hey, uh, me and the homies tonight are gonna uh, be like the Owls of Gahool. <laughs> <laughs> just things you say every day.
1: Me um, and my girl had to break up because like we just had a real la-la land together. Mm.
0: Uh, other ones that he has on here are The Bucket List. Uh, weekend at Bernie's wasn't bu- bucket list was a term before. Yeah, that see, that's
1: what I thought. <laughs> that's that. That's been a term. Yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that's like the twenty. 20- 11 movie with like old Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson didn't make that term
0: yeah I mean that's why they made the movie I thought yeah. Someone because of that term you know who's very good with titles is Paul Thomas Anderson
1: oh yeah because yes. they're Phantom all Phantom Threat. Phantom Thread
0: just there rolls will, off the tongue there will be blood Boogie oh. Nights Magnolia like they're all yeah. they're all like short just short enough you know they all punch drunk love that yeah they all convey something but they're all uh, they all have the mystique because he is making like art films no mm-hmm. matter how popular they become. uh He's he always nails it. Though.
1: I mean, even Tarantino does the same thing. Like even a movie like I didn't like it, but like Hateful Eight, which is kind of inspired also by old Western movies yeah. and of, it's like, his Magnificent movie. Seven and stuff like that. But I I mean Pulp Fiction. You just hear that and you're like, oh, hmm? what is it? what is this? Inglorious Bastards. Ooh. But I I guess back to
0: Colin's original question about just kind of off kilter, sort of goofy titles. I think that that's more – that can just be more subjective based on like what your knowledge of the movie even is or what you gravitate towards when it comes to titles. Uh, It's tough to like pin down. I agree with his conceit about just putting the word American before anything. But Also, a lot of the time, sometimes it is very clear that like they were just like, oh, we can get – like this word hasn't been a movie title yet. Like let's just take it. For example – <laughs> For example, the neighbors is what I'm thinking. Yeah, that that's because if you remove all context, that could be a horror movie very easily. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's just a, yeah. a word that is very common. Well,
1: I was gonna say a lot of new horror movies have kind of done too much simplification to the point where there's like the blank. Mm -hmm. the strangers the conjuring yeah that's a good point like it's just kind of the the master like grow up yeah the batman man (laughs) the the master i still have nightmares about that movie i have nightmares about scientology
0: um anyway the correct answer for a good movie title is ted (laughs) oh god well that does it for this week folks let's
1: just end it there
0: I I was just going to say that, like, I'm more of the frame of mind to just give a movie the benefit of the doubt, even if it has a weird title. Like, usually that will just kind of make me gravitate towards the movie even more so, uh, even if it doesn't quite, like, give me a real idea of what to expect or what it's about. Like, minding the gap. That Mm. movie had no idea what it was going to be about based on that title that is yeah, that doesn't that's give a you, good one doesn't give you a clue i like single word titles that are less common words uh but they're words that are very like interesting to hear like insidious is a great movie title yeah um inception that's that's also a really good movie title because you've heard that before but like back then no one was saying inception every day so you're just like what is that fucking shit yeah well and, i think chris nolan invented that title and he put it in our brains <laughs> Oh, you Secretly know, it's you know one,
1: one of my favorite movie titles. <laughs> Hottest joke of like 2010 yeah. <laughs> Reddit. it. Dude, he fucking put that shit in our dreams, man. <laughs> one of my favorite movie titles ever Um, is for a movie that I do love, Uh, but it's Kramer versus Kramer. Because mm. yeah. like right then you're just like, oh, OK. It's like, it's a, and also, I mean, if you see the poster, it's just a family together and you're like, okay, I know exactly like this is a divorce movie. uh,
0: I've heard of Jerry versus Kramer, but (laughs) 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 excuse me. (laughs) Oh boy. Uh, I was, I was just about to shout out another one, but I lost it. Uh, There's like wordier titles, like long, like what we do in the shadows, Mm -hmm. you know, where
1: it's like. I don't care how many words there is that I'm in. Yeah. Comedies. You are at right, the comedies are more able to get away with stuff. I mean, even like it, it's a joke in the title, but pop star never stopped popping,
0: never stopped, never stopping. Never stop, <laughs> yeah. never stopping. That's terrific.
1: That's an awesome fucking name. Cause it's also playing off directly off. Never say never. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The beebs. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I, I remember the one I was going to shut out the movie we reviewed last week. Palm Springs. That title tells you absolutely nothing about what you're mm. expecting. Mm. And it works for the benefit of the movie to be vague and kind mm. of. Yeah. Here's yeah. a great one. I'm just looking at like a movie. <laughs> like I just Google movie. <laughs> um, Lars and the Real Girl. Is, oh, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. That's one of my favorite movie titles ever. It's because it, that movie, it, it matches the movie, which is like deeply off kilter. Well, speaking of pop star, though, there's a I think there's a whole genre of like the parody titles mm. like Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, you know, where it's like walk the line
1: have you guys ever had it though where there's a movie title that you see at first you're like i don't know if i like that and then you see the movie and suddenly you have a new appreciation for it because like the the 2020 movie probably the best movie it's come out this year so far never rarely sometimes always i need to see it at first like i was like what is that title i don't know what it is and then you see that name like the context of that in the movie and now i'm like okay this title is genius this is a perfect title for this movie
0: yeah the i think it's a big flex it's a big uh risk to name the movie just the name of the main character yeah you know if it's not like a pre-established character because then you're saying no this is going to be iconic but when it works it works because i mean borat Mm -hmm. joker okay (laughs) (laughs) no hitch like it's not an american classic hitch does suck
1: but like that dude that movie title rules because hey. you know who hitches is will fucking smith look like 10 year old me will kick your ass right now you need better walk back your statements about kevin james and will smith's mm-hmm.
0: masterpiece mm-hmm. we should watch that movie on this podcast i'm so down all right well i think um we can leave it at that with colin's question thank you for the email we bought a mic at gmail.com send us any questions thoughts uh, recipes. Everybody's staying at home more often these days. Let us know what you're baking or cooking, and we'll try it out. Maybe we'll review it on a future episode. We're hitting 200. All rules are out the window. All yeah. bets are off. And we're Anything ba- we're happen. batting about 200 with our episodes too. <laughs> about one fifth our hits. All right. Let's get to ketchup. Uh, Hunter, why don't we start with you? What you got?
1: Well, that was a really uh, that was a nice fun, fun little segment that we did there, guys. I really appreciated that. And Jeez, another guys. thing that I will say is that, listeners, we've gotten your feedback, okay? There were a lot of people that reached out to me personally. I've gotten DMs and just like actual hand mail to me that's like, Hunter, you have not done an episode of Kraken Crite in months. Mm-hmm. And look, you know what? I apologize for that. I let watching Driving Miss Daisy and all these other bad Oscar movies get in the way. And I'm sorry for that. But I have good news for you guys. Oh, oh, what is that? Is it is it the Barnes and Noble summer sale? It's coming late? It's oh my God, it's still unzipped. happening? It's cracking, crack, and crack. Oh. So um, for uh, people who don't know what this is, if you're tuning in for the first time, Criterion is... Uh, an amazing company uh that do kind of specialty thanks, i'm not going to Thanks explain, for that. I can't explain off criterion it's a great company the they do like whoa, sending
0: us the big bucks now
1: um, but usually about twice a year they do a big old sale at Barnes and Noble's in which um Barnes and Noble Barnes and Nobles It is not possessive
0: it's Barnes and Noble
1: Barnes Barnes uh the Noble cuz if it was possessive um, it would say
0: Barnes's and Nobles <laughs> which no one <laughs> would want <laughs> It's they sell
1: Barnes and they sell nobles. It's well it's
0: nobles monster. Well
1: is it is it is like is it saying that Barnes is noble? Like should it be like Bar- Sir Sir Barnes? Barnes is nobles. <laughs> Barnes is nobles. Barnes and Nobles. <laughs> Barnes, and nobles. Oh. Barnes and Nobles about twice a year or so does a big old sale where they have 50% off their criterion. And the summer sale came a month late, but it is happening right now until August 7th, I believe, something mm, like that. Yeah. Um, and I went by there day one, picked up a few, a few crates. Um, I picked up Ingmar Bergman's Persona, which is a Stone Cold masterpiece. I've talked about it before on the podcast. One of the greatest movies ever made. Um, also picked up a film called Solo or 180, days, 120 days of Sodom. Uh-oh. Hunter's an edgy which, boy now. Um, I, from everything, I, I can't give my review on that movie yet because I couldn't, uh, quite bring myself to it because the third movie that I picked up was a little film called come and see. And I know we just had fun on the last segment, so I don't want to bring it too down, uh, in this, but, um, come and see might've been like the most depraved movie that I've ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. 1985
0: um, Soviet anti-war film.
1: Yes. So deep I, in the cold, War, I was doing a bunch of research on this and it was originally supposed to be made in the seventies and like the Russian government, like wouldn't let this movie get made because it was pretty much propaganda like anti-war propaganda The whole film takes place in uh, Belorussia. It's about a 13-year-old boy who's excited to go off and join the Soviet forces and fight against uh, Nazi Germany. And over the course of the two hours or so, you watch PTSD develop in this movie. It is very, very staunch and very dark and depressing and kind of like unbearable at points but it all really works well i mean i the filmmaker i had never really seen any of his stuff uh lm klimov um who wrote and directed the film and he employs so much just kind of very bland and flat backdrops where it's very lots of grays lots of very dark tones with this very like lots of super super close up shots of our uh, main lead character whose name i will not i'll very I'll Russian. attempt um Ale- alexei kravchenko Alexi kravchenko okay. we're going to go with that um very close ups on him and kind of seeing like his staunch white face with like kind of some rosy red cheeks and kind of the real horror and fear that he's feeling. This movie is so naturalistic that, um, to create the most realism possible, they fire actual bullets at their actors oh, and not blanks. Fucking Russians! Um, man. <laughs> it is, I'm saying all this to say that it's not a movie for everyone, but this is one of my favorite movies that I've ever seen in my life. Oh, This movie is it is a masterpiece of cinema like it is so good in every way. It works so well on a technical level from every aspect as a character study. It's so staunchly anti violent, which is kind of something that you don't really see anymore in today's society. Mm -hmm. I I will say as full disclosure, after I watched this movie, I went and watched the first mission impossible movie to be reminded that like violence can be fun. Um, But it, it really like affected me seeing this movie and just like kind of how societies and towns can just be completely torn apart and families can just be completely torn apart by senseless violence. And I mean, I, Maybe we shouldn't still have to say it in 2020, but uh, Nazis suck. Uh, Nazis are bad. They're, they're, they're all bad. So it takes place. Oh, okay. and I didn't know
0: this was a political <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Fuck's sake. It takes place in the, in World War II.
1: Yeah. It takes place in Belarus, I think in 1943 or so. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, this is a 13 year old boy. Who's just like feeling a sense of patriotism. Wants to go off and fight like for the Russians or represent his country and everything. There's also, This looming German spy plane that will keep panning up to uh, throughout the film that has such an ominous presence. Uh, Another fun fact about this movie is that it was originally called uh, Killing Hitler. Um, And Russia was like, uh, no, you can't you can't do that. (laughs) Um, The
0: government shut it, shut down the title.
1: Yeah, because they were like, you can't we have to do something that's like not Quite just kill Hitler, um, so instead, I mean, it is just called "Come and See," uh, which does kind of also plant the tones of the movie. But Hitler is never shown in this movie, except for in a couple sequences of um, of actual footage, uh, documentary footage of, that was taken of yeah, Hitler, and he still has like such an overwhelming presence. The use of mise-en-scene in this film, where you were just kind of sit stuck right in there in these scenes, it's inescapable, is really suffocating, but it is just so, so well done. Again, I can't recommend this movie to everybody, but if that is something that you were in the mindset for, I highly, highly recommend this movie. It's a classic Criterion film in that not only is it beautiful stylistically, but it was also out of print for like 30 years hard um, to find yeah. yeah like no it was like almost impossible to find and then like 10 years ago somebody stumbled onto the reels themselves and actually uh, like repurposed it and that's why we got love criterion yeah they, they do yeah. kind of stuff like this all the time which is the best thing that they do i mean it's nice to just like have a criterion of do the right thing but that's not as big of a deal as things like this they're world cinema that kind of gets lost sometimes
0: is this the first russian movie you've seen have you ever seen a
1: Russian movie? Before? Um, I've seen, no, I think this might be the first Russian film. I've seen like some Scandinavian, some Eastern European films before. I mean, of course, like Ingmar Bergman is my dude. Uh, but like, this is probably the first Russian film. I mean, it's, oh, I didn't it's, know Bergman's Russian. He's not, he's not Russian. He's a uh, Eastern European. Oh, gotcha. Um, but, uh, it's, <laughs> it's just funny to me that this was like a propaganda film at the time, like at the time of the cold war that this was made, mm-hmm. but it's, propaganda not in the way that you would expect
0: wow well i gotta check it out it is come and see 1985 uh only
1: 220
0: you know it sounds like this big epic thing like three plus hours but seems pretty no, doable it's,
1: it, it really like i mean as much as i talk about like suffocating it is it's Breezy is the wrong term, but it doesn't drag at any point.
0: Four point six average on Letterboxd. Yep. Wow, that's awesome. All right, was there anything else you wanted to bring up?
1: Uh, no. All right. Well, that's cracking. Crack crate. uh Maybe next week I'll have an even more depraved and depressing movie with Salo or One Hundred Twenty Days of Sodom. Jeez. Just really see. I, I haven't been getting sad enough during like the pandemic's over here. We're all <laughs> going back to normal. I went and ahead I and ordered uh
0: the Grand Budapest Hotel. So I'm gonna be having a great time <laughs> with my Kraken Crack. And it's like the
1: same thing, right? Yeah.
0: All right, guys. Time for my uh items here. I watched some movies this week. First of all, I watched a movie. Uh well, okay, a little bit of context here. So Usually I tend to be the one to choose what we're going to watch between me and Lee patriarchy. And (laughs) every once in a while, she's like, okay, you're always blowing my mind with everything that you pick. I want to try to blow your mind with my picks. (laughs) And so she's browsing Netflix, seeing like, okay, you've seen everything. I want to pick something that neither of us has seen. And we're browsing, browsing, browsing. I'm just like, All right, let's just pick something, anything like Twister. It's right there. Let's watch that. Mm. So she ends up picking this movie called Unicorn Store. It is Brie Larson's directorial debut. Mm -hmm. It was originally supposed to come out in 2017, but it didn't get a release uh, until 2019 as a Netflix original. Never a great sign. And uh you know, I was mildly interested in this movie. And that's why I had it highlighted as like my list on Netflix because I, I ended up telling Lee, like, just go to my list on Netflix and like anything on there I'm going to be interested in. So you can't go wrong with that. So pick this movie. Uh, it, it, it's on the surface. It seems like this kind of like, you know, quirky little movie right away from the first like five minutes. We were both like, "Oh no, (laughs) this was a mistake." (laughs) Well, actually, no. The very beginning starts with like some home movie footage that kind of looks like actually like Brie Larson home videos. I was like, "Oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. This looks like it's actually her as a little little girl." But then when the actual movie starts, then it's like, "Oh yeah, this is this is bad. This is this is this is real bad. Uh, Super like, you know, heavy-handed." Uh, exposition. Uh, Nobody in this movie like talks or behaves like a real human being. Uh, And I was like, you picked it. We got to commit. We're going to watch the whole thing. Luckily, sit in what you've done. (laughs) It was only an hour and a half. So it was in and out real quick. Not that difficult to sit through. Um, But it wasn't like a a movie that we're going to be talking about on our 200th episode where it was so in a certain direction that it was a good time. Mm-hmm. This movie was like close to being like a five. It ends up to me, it ends up being like a four out of 10. Uh, cause it doesn't, not great. it still has like good performances, you know, cause it, the, the cast is kind of stacked. Like John Cusack, baby. John Cusack, Bradley Lover. Whitford, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Like there's some good, you know, people in this movie, but as a whole, it's like, what is it trying to say? It's like trying to s- tell this story about like arrest development and like being this young adult person that never grew up and you have to let go of your, your childhood. Um, um, yeah, all what I know about this movie is my sister, uh, out of, out of nowhere last year texted me, have you seen unicorn store? And I was like, no. And she was like, yeah, I just saw it on Netflix. It was really bad. I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, It's insufferable, but also like kind of harmless at the same time, Uh, because it's not it doesn't do like anything egregious, but it doesn't really do anything at all. So you're just really left with like this nothing puddle. What is this movie about? So Brie Larson plays this girl who is like an artist, but she still lives at home with his with her parents and she hasn't really done anything with her life. Mm. And she decides that she loves unicorns. She's always loved unicorns her whole life. And, um, oh, so she gets this temp job and at the temp job, she gets this invitation to the unicorn store or whatever. And they, um, that's where like Samuel L. Jackson is. And Samuel L. Jackson's like, uh, we're going to get you a real unicorn, but you have to do all these things Mm. to prove that you're worthy To get your real life unicorn. It's an allegory. I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. And somewhere in there, there's like a a little uh, subplot, a romantic subplot where she goes to like a hardware store because she wants to build a stable for the unicorn. And the guy that works there. I couldn't be. I could not care less. Like, oh, it was it was rough. The the buy-in is rough because you must be wondering, like, is it real? Like, you know, do uh, you want me to spoil it? Yeah. Just go for I'm not. There's a unicorn at I, the end. I know. My I knew sister that told me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, Yeah, you can so that, that point, there
1: would be based on everything.
0: At that, that, said I, at about that point in the movie, I was like, I don't care. <laughs> 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 sure, there's a fucking real unicorn. Whatever. Just end already. So, would not
1: recommend. Um, this, but movie, it's just, this movie also falls under uh, how we started this podcast. With, is that Unicorn Store? I saw that title and I said, No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, nah, I'm good.
0: I was just I was just like kind of curious about it because the the cast like you've got these great actors. I, I really think Brie Larson is talented and it's her directorial debut. And it just it just comes off as like also the dude from Legion is in it. The guy who plays like the agent who's chasing after him in the first season. Um, This man's name is Hamish Linklater. Yeah. Is, Hamish Linklater. is he related? To, to Dickie Link. To, to Dick Link. No, I don't think so. But he's really talented. Like, that's what I'm saying. There's talented people in this movie, but like that nobody is doing any worthwhile work in this movie. So just an interesting case study as to like the lengths that people will go for a paycheck in Hollywood. Oof. I don't Damn, know. That's Samuel L. is in it. And Jeez. I feel like he shot all his scenes in one day. Samuel L. is wearing- in everything and he shot his scenes in everything in one day. <laughs> he he wears this wig. That's like this obvious afro wig, and it has like glitter and like streamers like hanging from it. That's bad. He Don't does like he does wear a suit that has like ice cream cones on it. So that's kind of cool. But speaking of colorful colorful suits and colorful mm. colors. Okay, you watched Jim Carrey's the Mask. <laughs> yeah. Please somebody suck me. <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty good, man. I watched um, (laughs) the Wachowskis 2008 motion picture Speed Racer.
1: Welcome to film Twitter. Yes,
0: I have arrived. Uh, This was uh, this is available on HBO Max right now, and I recommend this movie. You know, it gets a lot of love from certain circles on film Twitter as being like this like uber visual masterpiece unsung masterpiece that needs to be loved more underrated gem yeah and it's like it's like over 10 years old at this point and it's like all right we we get it like people like this movie it's not that underrated at this point um guys this movie is extremely unique i really recommend checking it out like i think we should do a podcast about this movie at some point because (laughs) It is one of the most visually unique movies I've ever seen. It goes through such lengths to look and feel like a cartoon. And it is just unlike anything else. They do some wild, wild shit with the visuals in this movie. Um, So, you know, sometimes that kind of backfires with the tone and the sort of like overall message and theme that the movie's trying to get across but just on a visual level what this movie is doing is kind of unparalleled like there's some things in here that are just like pure untapped eye candy to mm-hmm. the highest degree like i i think on my on my letterbox review i described this the the final race as a a pinball machine psychedelic acid trip it is just so balls to the wall technicolor intensity.
1: I mean, I've always been curious to see this movie. I'm glad that it's on HBO Max because now I actually might check it out. It is like the letter bar- the letterboxed arc of the ratings is like fucking insane. all over the place. Like yeah. it's just like just as many twos as there are fours, and like. A bunch of fives, but then also a bunch of ones, and it doesn't really make any sense. But I've always been curious to check this film out, so it's worth it. it.
0: I I don't think it's it's uh it's a failure at all. You know, it's like when we talked about Cloud Atlas a while back. I feel like that is definitely a misfire for the Wachowskis, and I I think I would put this. I have I haven't seen Jupiter sending, but I think I would put this. <laughs> as their second best movie behind the matrix. Uh, even though there's some things that don't work and there's some, you know, there's some aspects that are kind of ugly and off putting. Um, but it's just so often its own world that I, I, I kind of love that about it. Um, should definitely bring up that Emil Hirsch is a terrible person and mm. he has been accused yeah. of doing horrible, horrible things and it was kind of rough to see him in the title role here, um, but other than him, there's uh, there's some there's some good stuff here. Jo- uh, John Goodman, Susan Sarandon, there's an, uh, a a chimp uh, as a <laughs> as a character, little chimp. Yeah, um, faithful to the original. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like they clearly watched that show and wanted to replicate it as close as possible. So Speed Racers on HBO Max. I have two more quick things before we wrap up. Um I am on a little bit of a Spielberg kick as of late and I watched uh, Minority Report and Catch Me If You Can. Mm-hmm. His two like early 2000s movies. I still need to check out um Artificial Intelligence AI to kind of complete that like early 2000s period. But you know, these are both rewatches. Um, I just really wanted to revisit them because I'm a Spielberg fuck boy. I'll do anything for him. Um, and I'll do anything for Tommy Cruz and I'll do anything for Tommy Hanks and LDC, Mm -hmm. all my boys.
1: It is wild that in 2002, Tom Cruise worked with Tom Cruise or, uh, Steven Spielberg worked with Tom Cruise, Colin Farrell, Tom Hanks and Leo on the same year. Incredible. I, uh, and both movies are just outstanding. I was saying before we got on this podcast, um, I meant to bring this up a couple weeks ago because I... As you guys know, uh, no free ads, but I do have Hulu with live TV. Um, and I was just kind of browsing Hulu one day and I have Showtime on there. I was like, oh, Minority Report's on there. I'll just like hop in here. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm watching the movie and everything. And I realized that I don't think that I had ever actually seen all of Minority Report. I had seen large chunks of it before. Maybe it was a I, big cable movie. Maybe I had seen it all. And it was just, I was too young that some parts just kind of blacked out for me. But it was almost like watching the full thing for the first time and this movie is incredible it it's rips, so dude. different from anything that spielberg's ever done it's really like spielberg's attempt to try and make like his blade runner or something like yeah. that with well Hell. it is it is a philip k dick yeah adaptation. K. Dick thing. there's some uh little kind of um nods to it to philip k dick isms with uh if you've ever read um do sheep dream of electric uh, or the uh, robot stream of electric sheep or yes. whatever it is. Um, with like kind of the sky top uh gardens and everything. That's a big thing in his uh in that book. But I I just kind of loved this movie whenever I saw it. And like yeah. I I saw it and I first part that I didn't recognize, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna start this whole movie over again. Just plowed right through it because it's so good. It's one of the few very high concept sci-fi movies that lives up to the premise mm-hmm. itself
0: when you're zeroed in on it if you take a, a step back and like think about it too hard some things kind of fall yeah. apart a little bit especially Colin right
1: farrell kind of just disappears at one point in the movie
0: and nobody really questions it but I, I mean that's fine it's not his movie yeah. you get enough of him <laughs> it's all about tommy Cruise, baby and he owns in this movie he's so good like the dude can fucking act. I, I hope we get a, a one more Spielberg joint to complete the trilogy between this and, uh, and World of the World. Yeah,
1: I hope so too. Also, uh, another quick shout out in a Minority Report. Oh, is this is this, is it coming back? Is it coming back? Oh no. uh, Kraken crate. Real uh, mini Kraken crate here. Uh, shout out to Mark's Max von Sydow. Um, who- R.I.P. Is uh plays the director in Minority Report of Pre-Crime. He yeah. is uh, a director of pre-crime. He is um in I brought up Ingmar Bergman earlier. He's in The Seventh Seal, which is Bergman's second best movie, and that is also a masterpiece, and it's also on Criterion and seek that out
0: crack and crack. I mean, as long as we're shouting out a uh, supporting cast, Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, Tim Blake Nelson's this- like
1: He's so good. Whenever I saw that was the part when I was like, I don't think I've seen this movie before when he first shows up. And I was like, is that that Tim Blake Nelson? I can recognize that Southern draw anywhere in a film. And it also is Southern draw makes no sense. They're in like Washington DC. It's like Tim Blake, you don't have to do that. You don't have to play that up, but
0: it's, it's crazy that this and catch me if you can are made by the same guy because Spielberg in minority report, he uses so much shadow, To really sell that like darkness and noir sort of vibe. That mysterious kind of horror-esque tone. And these bright, bright fluorescent like bleeding into the lens sort of uh, lens flare inducing shots. And then in Catch Me If You Can, it's more of like a classic Spielberg vibe. There's more of like a a pep in the step. Uh, I mean, Minor Report is a pretty breezy movie too, but catch me if you can just has like more of that sort of classic energy and you put Tom Hanks in there, you put Leo in there. It's crazy that that's the only movie he's made with Leo. I want another Spielberg Leo joint. Um, it, you know, catch me if you can, it's if you haven't seen it lately, it's so worth revisiting. Cause Leo is like so, so good in it. You know, everybody's been talking about inception lately cause it just turned 10 years old and Leo's character performance is like kind of half baked for what he's capable of doing in other films. And in Catch Me If You Can, he just gets to do so, so much more. Uh, not to downplay Inception because uh, we stand that movie here. Uh,
1: hot. I, I, it. I think Leo's like pretty good in Inception. He's not that he is just like an exposition character well, that's, like everything else. That's what I'm saying. It's, not, like, it's nothing against him as an actor because he's an incredible actor. He's that's the best that's that my have, point
0: but. is that in Catch Me If You Can, Spielberg actually gets like pretty much the full extent out of him. He squeezes all the juice out of it. Nolan didn't really do that at all. Um, Nolan just put him in there because he looks pretty and he's like. Well, I think I look a little bit like Leo. Mm-hmm. I would like to think so. that I look like him. And carry on. Next take. That's pretty good. <laughs> is,
1: that, is that what no one sounds like?
0: I'm assuming. Sure. Um, well, ten, it's delayed forever. So, yeah, that's all mm-hmm. we got. Um, all right. Anything else, boys? Should we call it? um Lin-Manuel um lip bite memes are really taking off now and I want to say that I've been on this tip for months I don't know where everyone's been I know partially it's because Hamilton has just been released on Broadway people are being re-reminded of how annoying he is
1: but did did you hear about his campaign like lip bite for social justice oh Christ that's not a thing but <laughs> no did, you I, believed it I, uh, no, so that's all that matters of course I didn't believe that's that. all that matters that you I think, I'm, you it think I'm a moron a Hunter <laughs> You think mm. I'm you think I'm nothing. Black lives matter. Mm. He
0: wouldn't call it social justice. He would he would call it like uh uh like simp over me for uh and I'll donate like $1 to Hamilton. <laughs> my like, name is Alexander bite my lip. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm really excited to see it take off. I don't want to be the snobby. You know, oh, I knew it before it was cool. Yeah. Are, are we going to replace our Black Lives Matter donation links for bite lip mask? Links? We should just link uh, just link to the uh, JPEG of the fleshlight with his biting <laughs> lip on it. Put that in the description. I'm serious. <laughs> All right, listeners, if you ordered a Lynn manuel Miranda lip bite fleshlight, go ahead and give us a review. Uh, of what um, what that's like. Actually, scratch that.
1: Don't do that. <laughs> I Just send it directly to me. I'm curious. Yeah. I, I've had them in my Amazon wish list for a while now, but I'm just waiting to pull the trigger.
0: Uh, you can do that at mic on gmail.com, at weboughtamike on Twitter, or anchor.fm slash weboughtamike with all your Lin-Manuel Miranda lip bite memes. We want to see them all. Give them given to us like to see it the, the the problem with memes is like by the time this is even released it's going to be stale <laughs> but the thing is this is the something that would never be stale to me i uh, think it's endlessly funny dude, i've been sending you- these to people for months now
1: dude what if the lin will miranda his lip bite what if that's actually cake oh, <laughs> oh my god, god. yeah remember that yeah, they, like a week cut- and a half ago and it feels like 10 years ago
0: <laughs> they cut into the fleshlight and it's cake yeah and then they fuck it oh
1: yeah, the cake thing I don't
0: think was ever, ever had like that good legs to it. It, it. it was it burned too bright, too quick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It just it wasn't it got out of hand. Yeah, because I saw it, you know, the original ones. I was like, this isn't much of anything. Like, it's OK. And <laughs> then it just
1: kept going. I I know I I shout out to Heather, friend of the pod. But uh, she said something of um or no, it wasn't Heather. It was somebody in my sibling group chat sent something, a link to a meme of a uh, uh, something being cake a couple days ago and i was like yeah it's dead, it's dead. <laughs> yeah. this is yeah. just a nail in the coffin." once
0: it reaches the sibling group chat yeah, well it's one of those things that's like it feels like scratching the bottom of the barrel like there's not that much else to talk about it's like uh, well the pandemic or trump or the protests hey i guess cake things are cake <laughs> anything else? Anybody got anything else? Thing is cake. I don't, yeah. <laughs> what if uh, protest is cake? What if all our problems are cake?
1: Please. We live in hell. Yeah. Just put the halo on me and send me into the the eighth layer of hell, my, my, yes. Minority Report style. Minority Report, great name. Yes. Great fucking name. Yeah.
0: And then when they say it in the movie, you're like, "Whoa!" Tell me Tom more. Tom Cruise
1: says. Where is my minority report? Yeah. He enunciates every fucking consonant in that word, and I love it.
0: Oh, and then he's bald for a scene, and it's like, <laughs> yo, I yes. Would you
1: guys let Tom Cruise uh, convert you to Scientology? No. I would. I would, <laughs> I would be like, yes, Tom, right as he entered me. I think he would actually
0: be very, like, unconvincing. <laughs> I don't think that he can connect on a human level, you Listen, know?
1: Listen, here's the thing. If he just, like... Aladdin style just like Grabs my hand and puts me to Hold onto a airplane and says Like I will show you the world <laughs> As I'm sailing through The skies with Tom Cruise he, I'll be like I'll do He would be like
0: you, I will
1: show you the World yeah Uh don't. That's you know what the world includes it Includes that dick Does he even have a penis
0: no, I feel doesn't. like he Has no, like no, a no. slippery like Tail he has a cloaca <laughs> And he pisses and shits out of it. Does,
1: I, I feel like Tom Cruise is like a bubble butt. Let's do an episode on the best men's asses on this pod. Maybe that should be the two. He's a episode.
0: tight ass for sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, she's a short. He's a short guy. He's got. has got to have that support back there.
1: Mm-hmm. We are a short king friendly podcast on here. Not like any of us are. It's me. Yeah,
0: I know. Well, do you uh, think someone's listening? Like what? <laughs> What in the we're fuck? Just, he just, sounds
1: so tall. We're just disembodied voices, okay? They don't know who we are.
0: I don't think I sound particularly tall. You know, I think well, I it's sound
1: because like you're
0: 5'7". <laughs> All right. As Leo says in the 2002 film, catch me if you can. You know, he yells back to Tom Hanks and he's running down the airport hallway and he's like... Ooh
1: brie larson say get out of my unicorn store mm.
0: no she says get in my unicorn store you unicorn
1: real quick what do you guys think is the best uh the best use of a movie title within the movie itself because i think that it's face off and i think that there's no argument against that's that. a great
0: one face
1: yeah off. face off i want to face off face
0: well he does the, the hand motion too off
1: he says it like eight times it's incredible <laughs>
0: I want to take your Tron legacy.
1: Who did, I want to so take your Eurovision song. <laughs>
0: does, does Cage say that in Face Off?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's Cage. Good. Yeah. Travolta, uh, you know, wouldn't sell. Delta <laughs> Zim, <laughs> I put it off your face. Well, did I tell you? I do not think I said it on Pod, but Last culture East, this podcast did top 200 moments in culture history recently. No, they and number one was the <laughs> Delta Zim. <Steam. laughs> <laughs> That's one of Did the they, funniest was things. it like embed the clip was embedded in the? podcast? Oh, they they played it multiple. It is un. It still <laughs> hits so hard to he, the way he's stalling because he knows he's gonna fuck it. He's like the the beautiful <laughs> and wonderfully talented <laughs> It's it's I it is, I think it is the number one moment in culture history. Oh. <laughs> what would have happened if John Travolta would have been cast as Howie? Oh. Opposite Adidam and sell and uncut gems. Is man. there a parallel universe where that happened? God, he's so bad. He's man. like, I love you, my beautiful, hey. talented wife. Hey, remember when he? <laughs> he can't. He can't he... say like. What. He's like my talented, <laughs> wonderful. <yeah>. <laughs>
1: Shout out to uh, his wife, who just died. Oh,
0: oh fuck. So,
1: so uh, I, I, if you notice, podcast. I haven't said anything. Well, you I think, shouldn't You shouldn't have think, said that dumb thing years ago, idiot. John, I saved. think you're excellent in Hairspray, as well as other films. Hey,
0: he can poke fun at himself, folks. Don't we love that about him? Rest Some folks He's a self-aware don't get get it, and you'll never stay, it. But Wilbur, you're timeless to me. You're timeless to me. My hemlines are high. We'll that see. Feels you. like wire. We'll see you next week if we do another episode. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like this, just have to I feel pretty burnt out. The I Scientology, like the Scientology
1: Association, they're only like a few <laughs> miles down the street from us, like maybe a hundred miles at most. Oh, uh, Clearwater. Yeah, they can yeah. come. fucking They'll come, execute they'll come get Dude, you guys. I'm, I already said that I'm open to the. Have opportunity. you Have you
0: seen that building? No. Dude, I saw that shit. It is scary. No,
1: they're it horrifying. Is fucking. Their architecture terrifying.
0: is bizarre, always. Well,
1: it's more bizarre if you think about the fact that, like, Tom Cruise built it all by hand. <laughs> yeah.
0: In a day. <laughs> yeah. No, he built it with his, like, lizard dick. <laughs> all right, we gotta go. Thanks for listening. <sighs> Stick around for episode 200 and beyond. Now I have, now the bellyache is not just full heartburn. <laughs> So we got to do we got to shoot out this 200. Why?